shall we begin by reading Ephesians chapter 6? We'll read a few verses from Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's, let's pray. Lord, as we come to your word, as we learn from it, we pray that you feed our minds, but also fill our hearts with your truth, so that it may not be just a head knowledge, but a knowledge that transforms life, a knowledge that, that leads to a, a communion and a knowledge, a true knowledge of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, today we will continue uh, the family worship uh, thing. We are on the practical issues. As you know, we will do it alternately with uh, redemptive history. And two weeks ago, we spoke about uh, the, the biblical foundation of family worship. And today we will speak uh, more about practical issues and uh, things that we should put in our minds. Uh, we may refer to some challenges, what to be done in the family worship. But before I say this, I think this topic fit, or it would fit everyone, everyone. Uh, as long as you live with a family, uh, this, or you are preparing to be in a part of a family, preparing to have a family, this topic is very important. Very important, very crucial. Things to put in mind. If you have the outlines, the first thing that we have today, things to put in mind. And I spe I'm speaking in this point particularly to fathers or those uh, to be fathers or those who care for children. Remember this. It is, it's a role from God. It's a priestly role. A role of a priest. And as a priest, you do not only serve your people. Because when we think of family worship, sometimes we only think that we are there for our children, for their well-being, and we are so much concerned about them, which is great. But think also that you are doing this towards God. It's God's word. This is the role of a priest. He's not just serving the people, which is true, but he's bringing his family to God. So as you are doing the family worship, you are not playing a spiritual game with your children. You are not just teaching them some ideas. You are bringing your family to God as you are doing the family worship. You are not just instructing them to do good things and to avoid bad things. It happens. During family worship. But think of this. As you pray, as you teach, as you sing, you are doing something to God. You are praying to him. You are listening to him as he speaks. When you read the scripture with your children, you are listening to God speaking. 
And when you're singing, you're singing to him. So it's a priestly role. Think of it this way. You, you put this into your mind. The second thing that you need to think or you need to remember, you have the children which are sinners. They are born in sin. They look nice. They look cute. They don't make much harm as they are younger. As they grow, the harm is greater. And sometimes we forget that they are sinners. Uh, I heard one day, Vadi Bakum said this, God made them look like this so that we may not react harshly against them when they sin. So as you treat with your children in the family worship, remember that you are dealing not with true Christians or mature Christians. They are born in sin. They are dead in trespasses and sin. They are selfish. They are proud. They, they, just, they just don't express it in the most explicit way. But they are sinners. And because they are sinners, they need discipline. If you just leave them on their own, Problems will happen. They will harm themselves. They will harm others. And they will go to a a worse and worse direction. If you want your children to be bad, all what you need is to do nothing. And they will be bad. And even worse and worse. It takes a lot of effort to, I would not say, to eliminate their wickedness, but to limited to control it that's why they need discipline you don't just leave them uh, on to, to live according to their own ways if you just leave them if you just say i want them to decide for themselves well they are sinners who are going to decide for, th- for themselves they will destroy themselves and by the way we do this with uh, physical health if you leave our children to their own minds to choose what to eat. I think we all know what they're going to eat every day, right? What would be their diet? They will destroy their own physical health. Just sweets, just junk food. But as parents, as, because we love them, we care to feed them certain, certain foods, certain nutrients, right? Like vegetables, like fruits, like proteins. We want them to grow. They don't like it. But we push them to eat it. Because this is for their good. And this is the same spiritually speaking. They are sinners. They need discipline. And sometimes sometimes we become hard on them. We are going to do this. We have to do this. I don't, I don't feel that I want, I, I, I want to do that dad or mom. I know. But we still we are going to do it. Uh, sometimes we punish them. Because they're sinners, and we want to show them the consequence of sin. In a theological way, we put them under the law. Next time, we'll speak about why did God give the law to the people of Israel. And one of the reasons that God gave the law is to control their wickedness, their evil. In in Egypt, 11 years ago, we had a revolution. And uh, when the revolution happened, there was an outbreak. And uh, in one or two days, the, the whole the police department 
uh, fall apart. There was no police in the country. You cannot call the police. There is no police in the country for two or three days. And you would be surprised what the people have done just in these two days. Just without the police. Just without the law. The, the people did not become bad on these days. But their wickedness came to the surface. And you would see people that you would never think that you would steal. We have videos of people entering places like Meyer or like, or like the malls here, Woodland Mall, and they are going to the shops, breaking the windows, going through and get, stealing stuff and getting out. And people, if you look to them on normal days, they look nice people, polite people. In fact, most of the time they are nice, they are polite because there is, there is a law. And without the law, they would destroy lots of things. Our children, they need the law. Don't say, I need them to do it out of their heart. Amen. And we pray for that. We work towards that. But till this point, they need some rules to live with. It protects them from themselves and from the harm that they can cause to others. But at the same time, this law, this instruction telling them the law, telling them what to do and what not to do, it has another benefit. So it controls their evil, it con controls their wickedness, but it also, it reveals their need. We'll speak about this more next time. When we teach our children about what is right and what is wrong, one of the things because we are close to them, we know what they have done, it's easy for them to see their, their problem. You talk to them about that. Talk to them about the problem. Talk to them about their sin. What do you think? Was this right or wrong? And when you read stories from the Bible, point, what do you think of this story? It reminds you of whom? Who did this? Of course, between, between you and him or her, not in front of friends or not in front of bigger families. But show them the problem. Help them to see the problem. And why would you like to see, help them to see the problem? So that they may know that they, they have a need. There is a need. I need a savior. I need a savior. It's not only that you show your children this is right and this is wrong. Do the right thing. Avoid the bad thing. You need to show them that they are needy. And at the same time, give them the solution. Talk about Christ. That's why preaching the gospel to our children is very important. Talk about the savior who is able to save. Who is able to change. Get him or her on your lap and say, would you like to pray? We can pray together. I'll be praying for you. Even when they grow older, talk to them as friends and show them the problem. And ask their permission. Would you like me to pray for you? Shall we pray? Would you like to pray? In the light of the gospel, in the light that there is a, a, a redeemer, a savior, who is able to save even them. Don't fall on this mistake that you just teach your children the law. It's easy to teach your children the law. It's important, very important, as we said. But it's not enough. Because if you just teach them the law, your children will be either legalists, 
that I do and I deserve, I do and I deserve, or they fall into despair. I can't, I can't do it anyway. And by the way, when they try to be legalists, they, they don't only become legalists, they become hypocrites as well. Because they learn how, as Mark said this morning, to show it from outside that they are nice, but deep inside they know they are not. And they get used to hypocrisy. They get used to it. If you just teach them the law, you are creating e e either desperate people who has no hope or hypocrite people. The gospel must be in the scene. The law must show us Christ. So you need to show Christ your children day after day. Uh, Expose them to the gospel of Christ. You may say, I have said it, I have shown them, but they didn't see it. I already talked about Christ, I already talked about salvation, I already talked about the need. Good, keep doing it. You never know when God will change the heart. But this is the means, this is the normal means that he used to change the heart. And for your children who who come to know the Lord, even from very young age, they need the gospel, they need the Savior for their nourishment, for them to grow. They still need the Savior. So you need to preach this gospel to them again and again and again. And as you are telling them stories, as you are going through stories, as you are going through the parables, as you are going to the Psalms, as you are going to the Gospels, you are building a reservoir of biblical knowledge. And you may think, do they know everything I said? Maybe they don't get 100% of it, but they, they will get a lot of it. And the Lord will use this knowledge. Will use this knowledge. Keep telling them the stories. Keep telling them this same truth from different angles. This is how the Lord teaches us, even as grown-ups, right? When he teaches us that he is our our, our source of life. He would tell us, by the way, I am the manna. I am the bread of life. I am the water. Without which you cannot, you cannot live. He will use different pictures. Pick different illustrations. To teach us the same truth. I am the resurrection and life. I am the one who protects you from the harm, from the wolves. I am the good shepherd. He will keep telling us stories again and again and again. Illustrations to teach us who he is. And we should do the same with our children. Don't get uh, bored and think, I already, they already know that. We already know the gospel. Yet we, every time we come to the church, we long forward to listen to the gospel again. So this is the first thing that I have, that these things that you should have in mind. Second, what would be the elements that has to be or that have to be in the, in the family worship? What shall we do, practically speaking? I think most of you are already doing this. But again, it's a good reminder. We have to have the word of God in the family worship. And when I say the word, two things. When I talk about the Word of God, I'm talking about two things. Reading the Word. But also explaining the Word. 
Many people would only read the word. It's very important to read the word. But many also, they don't explain the word. So the family worship would be after the meal, we'll sit, we'll open the Bible, we'll read it, and we'll pray, and we're done. Better than none. But I don't think this is what the scripture is telling us as families to do. It's telling us more than this. I will remind you with Deuteronomy 6. If we go to Deuteronomy 6. Verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them again diligently unto thy children. Notice this. He's telling us to teach the word and to do this diligently. What, what does the word diligently imply? Effort. Intentionally. Purposefully. Asking questions. So you're not just reading for, for them. It's so important to read it. So important to read it. As Christ said, we shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God, by every word that comes from his mouth. This is Deuteronomy 8. But he also teaches to teach our children diligently. And you can do this in a family setting simply. You're not preaching a sermon. Ask questions. Read something and you ask one of your children. What do you think of that? How did you understand that? What about this? And involve them in the discussion. It's not a time that everyone is there doing nothing, just listening to dad as he will finish. We just want to go and play. No, make it an interactive time. Uh, Involve them. And with every child according to his age. Start with simple questions. Um, Make them know who God is. Show them God in the text that you're reading. And show them who they are. Show them their need as you're asking the question. Remind them of situations in life. Use your everyday life problems, struggles, uh, fights, nice times. And connect it with what you're reading. The word of God covers everything in life. And it will come as you read the word, bring, bring the word to the life. Make this connection. Um, so we do this daily. Daily. If you care to your children, you care for them to feed them every day. Every day a mom will think what I'm going to feed my children in the morning. What I'm going to feed them at lunch, what I'm going to feed them as supper. You care for that. You go to the market, you buy, you buy food, you cook the food, you spend time in the kitchen to prepare the food for them, and you care for them. And if you don't do this, you are killing your children. If you don't care for their physical health, for feeding them, and if you don't do this spiritually, you are killing your children. Spiritually. They need it. They are desperate. And they are not in a healthy situation. They just need more strength. By nature, they are dead in their trespasses and sins. 
they, they, they are desperate for this. I don't think, and I'm talking to myself, this is a challenge to me as I'm saying this. It's very hard for us to think like that, that I'm coming back home from work, tired, angry. So I'm not cooking to my children today. I will not give them food. We don't do this, right? We give them food. Even if we are angry, even if we are tired, we still give them food. But when it comes to the word, we may say this excuse. I'm tired today. I will not do it. But they still be needed. They still need it. So it's a daily nourishment. Daily nourishment. Second, we pray. So there is the word. There is prayer. Daily prayer. And uh, in Psalm 128, verse 3, the psalmist is speaking about the house of a godly man and uh, how, how blessed this house is. And see what he says. One of the descriptions of this house is that thy wife shall be as fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. He's talking about a table, a dinner table where the family is sitting together. What a blessing. And at the same time, the scripture is teaching us every time we sit on the table, we eat with thanksgiving. And by prayer, we are sanctifying our food and everything that we are doing. So a family that is not praying, it's not acknowledging God's gifts in their lives. And they are not acknowledging their need to this God for his sustaining grace day after day. Sustaining grace in their daily needs, their physical needs, and their Spiritual sustaining as well, that he's sustaining them spiritually. As we come to pray, we acknowledge, Lord, we are weak. We cannot provide for ourselves. You provide for us. And Lord, we cannot live without you. Physically nor spiritually. We acknowledge this. Every one of us know that our families, we, are, we make lots of sins every day. We need forgiveness. We pray for forgiveness. We pray for protection. The Puritans used to, to say this, to say, a family without prayer is like a house without a ceiling, without a roof. You're open to all kinds of uh, harmful things. So we, we come and pray with our families. Every day we pray for the food, we pray for protection, we, we pray for God's kingdom, we pray for the church, we pray for the ministers. Uh, We express our, our love for others. We pray for other families. We teach them it's not just about us. It's, it's beyond us. We think of the needs of the others. We think of those who are sick in the church. We think of those who are sick in the family. And Lord, we bring our needs to you. It's so good for our children to see us on our knees. In need. It's an amazing thing for a small child to see his strong father. His strong father who can do lots of things. This same father closing his eyes and asking for God's help 
acknowledging that without God he can do nothing. For this small child to see his father doing this, if my father is doing this, I should do this. Even my father, my strong father, needs help. He can't live without him. So do I. Um, the third element which should be in our family worship is singing. In Psalm 118, verse 15, the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. And it's interesting, he's not just saying in the tabernacle, he's not talking about the tabernacle of the people of Israel, in, in their tabernacles, in their houses, the voice of, of rejoicing and salvation. They are singing out of gratitude. I would expect the Christians to be singing to God, praising his name, thanking him for his salvation. And the scripture is telling us this. We have the largest book in the scripture. It's a book of singing. The book of Psalms is the largest book of the scripture, right? Christ used to sing with his disciples. The people of Israel, this is... The, this is their Psalter. They used to sing this, and it says this is always in their houses. In the New Testament, Paul is teaching us that in Colossians chapter 3. And this is, this is crucial. Yes, he's talking about the church, but it can be applied to the, to the households as well. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let no man therefore, therefore sorry, this is 2, no, Colossians 3. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And here the word of Christ, he doesn't mean the word that Christ says. It is the word about Christ. Let the word of Christ, the word about Christ, the word about the gospel, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And see how we are going to admonish and teach one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So this is one of the reasons we sing. We express our gratitude. We teach the children that we praise the Lord. We are happy with what he is doing. We are rejoicing. But at the same time as we sing psalters. As we sing good hymns. We are teaching them. You know if you read the book of psalms. Every single doctrine in the Christian faith is in the Psalms. Every single one. And that's why every time we, we preach, every time we hear, listen to the preaching, we are singing Psalms that are related to every sermon, right? Every single sermon. Calvin calls the, the Psalms the anatomy of the soul. And... And as we sing with our children, we are teaching them. We encourage them to sing with loud voice. In our house, we are not good at tunes. And none of us is playing piano. Here, many families, you have this gift. Many people are playing piano. So what we do, we would, I would open YouTube or even anything that gives me the tune of a psalter or of a song. And we sing with it. Now God is providing many, many ways. Uh, for us, to, so that we can sing together. It's good for them to sing. 
It's a good way, a very good tool to teach them. And as you teach them the word, remind them, do you remember this song? Do you remember this hymn? Do you remember this Psalter? And you'll be surprised how the children are making this connection between the Psalters, between the hymns, and between what we are reading, what we are, what we are teaching. So it's a tool of teaching them, and it's a tool of expression, of, or, or expressing God's, of uh, our gratitude to God and his work in our, in our lives. Now I'll move with you to some practical issues, some practical questions. First of all, when? When shall we do family worship? The best case scenario, the ideal, morning and evening. Uh, where did I get this from? Well, the scripture is full of this in the morning. In, in the Old Testament, there was a, a morning and evening sacrifice. In the morning, we begin the day, and the evening, we close the day together as a family. This is the most ideal way. I know our life now is different. Our jobs, our schedules may be different. But look for the time where you all as a family gather together. And in fact, if you don't have a time as a whole family to, to sit together on the table or to have time together, this is another problem. Because a house is not a hotel. It's not that everyone would come at his own time and stay in his room and you meet occasionally. This is not a house. This is not a family. A family, we meet together. We sit together. We talk with each other. We eat together. And as we eat together, we'll pray. We'll, we'll read the word. So at least, or it should be, a time for the families to gather together on the table. Or after eating, may go to the living room. Have this place or have this time every day to, to do the family worship, to read the word, to sing a psalm, a, halt, uh, a hymn, to pray, uh, to talk about spiritual things. And every family can do it in the most convenient place. You can do it on the dinner table. You can do it afterwards in the, in the living room. You can do it in the room of the children. Pick the place where you can sit together and where you can look to each other. You can face each other. You can look to them in the eyes. Don't do the family worship where everyone is playing, or sitting with his phone, or holding something to draw. The father is just reading, and everyone is in his own or her, her own world. This is not the family worship. It's not a family gathering. It's time where they are listening attentively, and if they are not, call them. Hey, what were I was saying? What I was saying? Ask questions. Make sure that they are listening. And if they do not, sometimes you may need to rebuke them for not listening. Look to them in the eyes. Listen to them. And teach them when they answer back to look in the eyes. Encourage them to ask questions. So, pick a place, pick a time. The best time for the, for the family was where everyone is attentive. Uh, and as you are doing this, if you are not used to do it, start small, simple, few minutes, if you are not used to this. And as time passes, it will grow. Especially with small children, don't make it 45 minutes. 
or 40 minutes. It's a lot. They will, the, child, the children will be restless. Start very small with them. For small children, start for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. If you reach with your family to do a daily devotion with teenagers like 25 minutes, 30 minutes, this would be great. Sometimes it will go more, but don't, don't take long time in family worship, especially with small children. Uh, be, uh, be short, but at the same time, with an efficient time. Uh, and as I said, make them, make sure that they are paying attention. If they are paying attention for five or ten minutes, it's better than sitting with you for 40 minutes and you're just preaching to them. And they're out. What's the point? You are, you are not doing something for yourself. You are, not, you are doing this for God and for them, right? As we pray as fathers or as mothers, don't pray long prayer. Don't preach in your prayer. Uh, pray for five minutes. Praise God in the prayer. Talk about who he is. Don't repeat certain words that you say every time. Don't make them think that it's not from his heart. He just knows the word. He, he's just reciting them without thinking of them. Talk about God. Talk to God if, about who he is with different words. Which is suitable to the occasion. Which is suitable to what you were reading. Which is suitable to a family situation that's going on. Praise God. Pray with your need before them. Pray for forgiveness for yourself and for, for, for them. Pray for the church. Pray for the ministers. Pray for the wider family. Pray for the country. And as you are doing this prayer time, it's very good to involve them in the prayer. Maybe the father may open the meal with a prayer and he may ask one of the children every day, who would like to pray? Or this is your turn today to pray. From a very young age, even if they'll say very simple words, encourage them to pray. One day for every child, one day for the mother. All of them would know how to pray, will learn how to pray. And as they listen to you, they will learn how to, how to pray. Finally, I will say a few challenges and we'll close. You may say, I'm not capable. I'm not capable of doing all this. I'm not, I'm not capable of teaching or preaching the word. I'm not, I'm not capable of, of explaining it uh, as a father or as a mother. Well, you need to grow. Yes, you're not capable. Well, you, ne you need to grow in this. I'm not saying that you, you take a preaching class, but you need to know the word more. You need to read spiritual books, even smaller ones. You need to grow. This is your responsibility as a father. If you need to develop your, your gifts, your abilities in your job so that you may get better payment, this is more important. Fathers sometimes, they take classes, they take courses, they go for conferences, they do things so that they may learn more things in their job. Well... 
this also deserves your time and your effort. Study. Simply, I'm not saying to go to the seminary to be a father, but just read some books. Read the scripture. Um, read study books. Have a commentary. So, being not capable is not an excuse. And let's say what I'm going to do till I learn. Well, thankfully, we have many tools right now available for us, especially in this, in this world in Grand Rapids, with PRTS around us, with, with Amazon that you can order a book and it will come to you in two days. There is a lot of resources that you can use. The, the Reformation Heritage Study Bible, it has a beautiful section in every single chapter. The Family Worship Bible Guide. And it's a separate book, small book, where you will find two paragraphs in every single chapter. Simply read the chapter with your children. Let them read with you. And read these two paragraphs. And as you read them, ask questions. In fact, the, these paragraphs themselves, they have questions. But sometimes as you read them, you remember something that is more related to your family. Use it. Think of it. Ask it. It's so simple. And don't think I need to do it in a perfect way. It's simpler than this. But just being, be intentional as you're doing it. Capability, I don't think, is an excuse with all the resources that we, we have now. Uh, and sometimes your children will ask you questions and you may not know the answer. It's okay. It's okay not to know the answer. And it's okay to say, well, this is beyond me. I don't know the answer. Maybe we can ask the pastor. We can ask the elders. We can ask uh, someone to help us with that. I will ask and get back to you. I will read and get back to you. If they are teenagers, why don't you look for it and get back to us and tell us what did you find? It's a good thing to acknowledge that you don't know and you're learning with them. No problem at all with that. In fact, this will teach them. But if you don't answer your children, if they don't have this question, if they don't have the atmosphere to, uh, to find answers to their questions, they will find answers somewhere else. Sometimes in places that you don't want them to go to to get answers. They will find answers. It's better for you to provide the answer. Um, as I close... Remember the welfare, the eternal welfare of your children because of the family worship. What you are doing in every day, this 20, 30 minutes or 15 minutes, what you are doing every day can change someone's life forever. Think of the eternal welfare of your children. As parents, we have this responsibility before, before God. Listen to what the Lord said of Abraham in the Old Testament, in chapter 18, Genesis 18. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord. Abraham will teach his children, and he will make his children teach their children. So what you are doing with your children in the family worship will impact their, their own houses, their lives, their marriages. You are preparing them for their marriages and their houses. I was listening to someone on family worship and he mentioned this. Um, that on your deathbed, 
when you are sitting in, in your deathbed and your children are around you? Will you have this clear conscience that I, I have done everything that I can to lead you to the Lord? Or you will say, I wish I had more time to lead my children to the Lord. What are you going to say on this day? And when you pass away and your children will think of you, what will be their memory, spiritually speaking? What are they going to say about you? What did my father and my mother did to me? What did they care much or the most for us? What do you think their answer will be? Think of this. Think of the heritage that you are leaving to your children. Don't think of the houses. Don't think of the bank accounts. Don't, don't think of the factory or the business that you are leaving for them. Think of the spiritual heritage that you are leaving to them. What is it? So, I think we, are, we ran out of time. Um, I may have one question. I know there are many questions that can come out of this. Okay. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for our families. We thank you for our houses. We thank you for, uh, for having this gift of having children, having spouses, having siblings having parents. What a gift, O oh Lord. And we pray that as we live with each other, as we live with our families, that we remember that we are living with people who are image bearers of God, who have an eternal destiny, whether with, uh, with Christ or in hell. We pray, O oh Lord, that we keep these sobering truth in our minds as we are dealing with our children, as we are living with our families, and that we may care the most for their spiritual well-being, that we pray for our families. We lift them before the throne of grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.